welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Jim, for being a guest on the podcast. And uh, you're a pastor over here at uh, Valley Park. And uh, the name of the church is, um, what is it, Merrimack? Or? Merrimack Valley Baptist Church. Yeah. And I've known you for a long time. You've been here for a long time, haven't you? Like over about 40 years? About so? 42 years this year. 42 years. Wow. And I know you from going way back when I was a kid, and we were at the same church together. And um, I don't use your name much, but I do mention you now and then, even on the podcast, when I kind of tell my story of coming to... Um, you know, Christianity, because I grew up in church, um, and there was a spell I went through um, where I was <clears throat> kind of, you know, afraid of hell, what would happen if I were to die, and so forth. So I did some religious things. I um, walked up front at the uh, end of the service. What, you know, people who are not familiar with church, this will sound kind of strange to them, maybe, but like the altar call and stuff. And and then I got baptized, and I, I never felt like anything really, uh, what I was looking for, it just didn't feel like anything was really, I wasn't finding that. It was kind of a frustrating time and of like, uh, well, am I okay? Am I not okay? And so forth. And then I went through on my, went throughout my teen years, and it wasn't until I was 18 and uh, where I uh, just felt this sense of being morally disgusting, needed God to save me from who I had become. And I turned to, to God and just, you know, asking him to save me from who I was, you know, and, and, uh, remember, uh, just a load of guilt being lifted and just, you know, it was just like a new experience. Everything opened up to me then Christianity, the Bible, it was just like a new world opening up. But, um, at that point I did turn to God and I wonder um, if I kind of think um, you know that Christianity even though I was kind of a rebellious teenager there was something attractive to me about Christianity enough to you know make that the direction that I did turn in and um, I think it was people who were Christians who um, you know made Christianity attractive to me so I think of yourself as one of those people um, who, um, when I was young, you spent time with us, uh, young people um, playing uh, games. We played uh, dodgeball, and then uh, you and your wife, uh, Carol, are friends with my mom and dad, so I got to spend time with you when we were out on the river boating and and things like that. So um, anyway, when I kind of tell my story a lot of times I'll just mention you but um, so as far as introduction that kind of um, see you're from Michigan and then um, how did you um, my earliest memories of you is were you living next to the church I I was I came down from Michigan to St. Louis to go to a tech school Okay. And the the house I lived in was right next to Compton Heights Baptist Church. And 
that's where I went to church. Yeah. Um, how old were you then? I was 18. Okay, so you were very young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Living right next door to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then back home in Michigan, um, did you grow up, in, grow up in church? Was your family churchgoers? Um, started the church when I was very young with my parents. And the church that they attended closed their doors because of the lack of people. And that bothered my dad quite a bit. And for some reason, he quit going. And from that point on, there was various people that God brought into our, my life. Didn't realize it then, but I do now. God brought different people into my life who would invite us to church and take us to church. I'm one of six. And so it was a car full when they would pull up. Uh, one we, we called Fred the Pickle Man. He would come and pick us up and take us to church. And then we had a neighbor that did it once in a while. And later on, my brother, oldest brother, Chuck, who has passed away, started going to church. Uh, and uh, he would come back and pick us up. And then he moved and sort of out of church for a while. Lived on the farm. And you got up and milked cows. You walk into a barn, you get barn smells just walking into it. That meant to shower and everything, so it just sort of wasn't something I got to do with when I was at home. And then came here and the Lord impressed upon me, and it really was the Lord impressed upon me. You need to get back into church. And uh, I'm from a small rural town and lived in a dead-end road and I was sort of shell-shocked if you please by the big city of St. Louis and then uh, one guy said uh, you can go to church with me I'll go next week and we ended up at a Catholic church and it was a German Catholic Hmm. church where they spoke German Hmm. so we waited and uh, for the sex service and I think Probably we did everything wrong, and then uh, said that's not what we need to be. And so uh, Compton Heights uh, wasn't positive for the people who went to the tech school because they would change their oil in the parking lot and not clean up after themselves. So the custodian would give them hard times for not cleaning up. And they would say, don't want to go to that church. They don't like us. Well, first, first Sunday there, and kills her sucked me into a youth group and that was the beginning of service in God so that's sort of how it all began and then back home you were did you say one to six yeah there were six of us six kids yeah wow um, and you lived on a farm huh mm-hmm. and, and uh, we had lots of cousins who stayed so it was often ten okay but there were six of us and then and when did um, Christianity kind of become, like, person, you know, important to you personally? Like, um, like I guess, when did it just kind of come together for you, make sense and everything? Was that back home, or was it just kind of a gradual process? Well, or? it was, I, I made a decision to faith when I was young. A neighbor uh, invited us to a revival, and... 
I look back and that's when the journey started. Mm -hmm. That's when I became a child of God, not knowing much of anything, but uh, it was really when I came to Compton Heights and uh, started Sunday school with David Simmons uh, and worked with Anne in with the youth. Mm-hmm. It became real then. Yeah. Who was the pastor then? Um, most of the time it was Reverend Harmon. Okay. Yeah. And then um, you were in tech school and uh, for like, is that auto mechanics and stuff or was it? Just it was, it was an auto diesel program. I okay. wanted to work on diesel pumps. Okay. Uh, which is a very specific field. There's four plants in the country that works on diesel pumps. Fun story is the, I worked on diesel. The school was a one-year program. The last month of the program was diesel pumps. And on Thursday, uh, they gave, they, we were in a, a lab. Not a lab. We were in classroom. And on Friday, we went to the lab, and they gave us five-gallon fish tanks. We have full of oil. You take the pumps apart and put them back together in the oil. Hmm. Tolerances are that close. Woke up Saturday morning with a rash from my fingertips to my armpits. I'm allergic to diesel, to diesel fuel. Oh, are you? <laughs> and that was also in, in the 74, 75, mm-hmm. when there was an oil crisis going on. And trucks were sitting on the side of the road, mm-hmm. sitting parked because they didn't have fuel. And several people said, I'd love to hire you, but i got people sitting at home with 11 years' experience. I can't hire somebody who's just out of school. Mm-hmm. But I was allergic to diesel fuel anyway. So that was out the window. Mm-hmm. I think that was the... Did get me God into... God get me to St. Louis, into Compton Heights, and the rest is history. And then um, did you work for uh, Carol's parents for a while? No, I, I worked at... Uh, Worked at a factory, a button factory downtown for a while that sold buttons and apps. And then I worked for a chemical company. Mm-hmm. Uh, got married to Carol. Mm-hmm. And uh, two years later, I did, moved, I did work for Carol's parents for a while. And then God called me to be pastor in Merrimack Valley. How old were you then? Uh, 25. 25, okay. Like I have to figure that number up. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, what's um, well? I just jotted down a few things here. Like, what were some major impacts on you when you were uh, young? Um, any particular books, people, experiences, or anything that really um, made an impact on you? Uh, not really. When I was young, I sort of. Don't have great memory for for when I was young. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed the farm, but yeah, but uh, not a lot of that. No. Okay. And then at Compton Heights, um, we're still young, but then uh, I guess it was like the people you mentioned. Um, yes. Yeah, Anne and big part of my Dave. life. Right. I am today what David and Anne put mm-hmm. in me. Yeah. And um, and then. Um, well, what's this church like? Um, so you've been here for 42 years. Um, you've probably seen a lot of people um, 
I mean, that's a pretty good while. Um, so what's the church like here? In uh, we're a small church. Mm-hmm. We run about average of 25 up and down from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago, there was a director of St. Louis Metro whose name was Clyde Oster. And he said the church changes about every two to three years. And I didn't think he was right then, but then all of a sudden, by George, the church changes every two to three years. There's a huge number of turnover. People move and and uh, people die and people just move on. So it's just it's amazing how much the, ch- the church has changed over the years. Yeah. Um. So there's about 25 now, and has it always been a small church? Uh, we've been less, and we've been more. Yes, it's. Uh, I'm fairly convinced God called me to be a small church pastor. Mm-hmm. If we wouldn't be here, it would be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where my gifts lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so what's it like um, being a pastor at a small church? Kind of what's your day-in, day-out type of... Um, stuff that you're doing very unregulated Uh, I can get a phone call uh, because I have flexible schedule Uh, because it's a small church uh, we're all fairly close Uh, some people call them family chapels Uh, and that probably fits a lot of definition we're a really close knit group and I have told the church, God has called me to serve, not to sit in my office. And so if there is a need, uh, you call me, and they do. And uh, it's, it's uh, a lot of service. Mm-hmm. And that's who I am. That's more of my spiritual gifts lie, at least okay. some of them. Right. So. Serving. Um, hey, you were mentioning people out of cars right now needing... Uh, Rides and I guess that's part of that service that you're talking it is, about. It is right now. Yeah, we have had a woman who has three kids, and her transmission went out and ended up taking her back and forth to work and kids to school. And she's got her car back, and there's a couple of others who, through really no fault of their own, got into situations where they didn't have cars and. They're working back to get the, their car's situation back, so it's taking them to work and bringing them home. That kind of stuff. Yeah. And the people who make up your church, they're just he- mainly here in the neighborhood? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, it is amazing that uh, we are a community church, but it has always been a regional church. We have people in South County and people... Uh, West County, it's got people from Illinois coming. So it's really, that has always been an amazing hmm. thing that uh, they may have had contact with somebody in Valley Park, and everybody knows that the one way that people come to church is somebody invites them. Mm-hmm. And so we've had, they've had contact with somebody in Valley Park in the church who have invited them and they're coming and now they're members and active mm-hmm. so we it really is a regional church not a local community church hmm. I'd like to see more local uh, because then you're in contact with the kids in school and 
mm-hmm. a little harder when they're not. Right. So, and I was going to ask what draws people regionally to here, but it sounds like it's through relationships and just a lot of it is. Um, yeah. I've done a lot of door to door in the years, and it's probably the least active way of meeting people. But when you do reach somebody, you have a whole new group of influence that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one reaching one you have opportunities to reach a great deal more. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that has been interesting is people need to do community service. Mm -hmm. And I will say, yeah, you can do community service here. And the first part of that community service at some point will be, I share the gospel. Mm -hmm. And there's been more than a few of them that have received Christ and, and... couple of them have come and then we have families come from them so it's been it's been interesting god Mm -hmm. uses all kinds of ways to bring people to christ and when um sharing the gospel is there a particular like how would you how would you summarize the gospel or is there a particular way you go about you know if you're going to share the gospel like how do you get started with that or how you know just what do you it it depends on the circumstances with with the community service people, it is a captive audience. Yeah. And I just ask, can I share some scriptures with you? Okay. And then I share the scriptures that apply to salvation. And uh, But if it's not in that circumstances, you, it's, uh, it's how the Spirit leads. Um, sometimes it's a question. Sometimes they have a question. And you go from where they're at. Jesus talked to the woman at the well about water. He talked to Nicodemus about being born again versus uh, what Nicod- where Nicodemus was going. So it really is where they're at and how they're what they're open to. Uh, so, yeah, um, I've been thinking recently, like. Guilt and shame is um, big matters in a person's life, even if they don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the gospel addresses that. Um, and I don't think people um, walk around thinking, well, I'm really struggling with the guilt, or I'm really struggling because I feel shame. But um, whenever we feel, um, or at least sometimes when we feel fear or or something like that, a lot of times I think it might be because of some kind of underlying shame or guilt. And I think of the proverb, um, the righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee even when no one pursues. Like there's this kind of thing underneath that makes that gives someone, um, you know, shame affects a person. So, But I just, I don't know if people... Um, realize it like that's the problem you know (laughs) but it's such a freeing thing to be released from guilt rather than just to walk around with it um i don't know and and i think sometimes christians deal with a lot of guilt and shame because they're not what they should be Mm -hmm. and we forget that jesus says 
the flesh is willing, or the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm-hmm. And so we live under, we don't live under grace as much as we live under condemnation. And mm-hmm. Jesus says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And there is a fine line that we live under grace, but we walk in righteousness. But when we screw up and we do what is wrong, then we repent and find grace. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of Christians who aren't living in grace, and so they don't have the joy, they don't have the confidence, they don't have, they're back to fear again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, they don't, and they don't become great, very good witnesses because they're in bad places themselves. So, so there is that um, not... Um, you know, kind of coming clean and com- confessing and experiencing God's forgiveness and stuff, even among Christians. But then there's, and I've experienced this in my own life, there's also, um, I think, like, um, I'm not saying we have to be perfect or anything, but there's like sometimes maybe uh, some particular area of life that um, it's like, um, you know, there's some sin going on, and rather than just kind of confessing it, coming clean, it's like, well, it's too hard to deal with. So it's like compartmentalized, like, well, that can just <laughs> be dealt with later or something. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't think we have to, I think we can be, uh, so it's not like, well, the object is to be perfect, but I think the object is to be fully repentant, you know, given over to um to God and not like hold back sin in this area or that area which yeah, you know there's no question that yeah sin is detrimental it will it is about death and destruction and we need to recognize whatever the sin it is about death and destruction our death and our destruction we need to we need to see sin as sin and that it will not end up positive mm-hmm. and, yeah. but it's it's back to how much do we believe what God says or the Scripture says. It, scripture is very plain. Sin is destructive. Right. And we've got to believe that. And if we believe that, it's easier to put those sins away. But too often, we don't mm-hmm. see that. Right. It's like uh, relying... There's that proverb... Um, uh, in chapter three, don't uh, rely on your in- trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't rely on your own insight. It's almost like it's not rocket science. It's just kind of taking God's word for what it is, and just you know, rather than uh, thinking things, you know, relying our own on our own wits or insight and so forth. But, I agree. Um, well, so as far as like um, interacting with. Um, people you mentioned door to door so is that if you've done that around the neighborhood and if so um what's that like what kind of you know uh what are those conversations like that you have with people right around here um been here a long time mm-hmm. a lot of people know me um uh, a lot of people know of me but don't know me uh a lot of it most of it is very very brief not interested, but thank you. Maybe we'll show up. Something's like that. It's just 
you take what you get. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's just not interested, thank you. Uh, and others will be grateful that you showed up and we'll, we'll think about it, we'll process it or something. But I do know it's, it's probably the least effective way of sharing the gospel or getting people interested. Mm-hmm. And so you take that in stride and just yeah. go right. next door. And, and again, I leave tracks and bulletins and mm-hmm. leave that to God. God, if that person will be open, the Holy Spirit will bring whatever conviction needs to be brought. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Uh, so um, here's something that's kind of interesting. Um, people have in, you know, they have like uh, in their mind what a, uh, church service is like, and they might not be interested in that, but um, and they might not be interested in this either. But um, something I recently started going to um, is there's a group of men who uh, meet on Monday evenings in Barnhart, and um, we have dinner together. And a lot of times, like this Monday, it was just someone brought a couple pizzas, you know, and it's just something like that or something chilly in a crock pot or whatever. But we have dinner together every Monday evening, and then we read a chapter of the Bible out loud where, wherever we are. You know, right now we're in the book of Daniel. And then afterwards, there's six discussion questions, and they're the same every week. So it's not like you don't need a teacher. You, don't need, you just need these six questions, and we break the chapter up, and we read it out loud a couple verses at a time. And the questions are things like, you know, what stands out to you? What do you like? What troubles you? What's it tell us about God? What's it tell us about man? And the last question is like, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Um, so I invite people to that quite a bit. And um, I don't know. I think sometimes people are looking for more um, conversational, face-to-face type of thing. Um, a lot of people have um, said yes and have to come just one time. But there's about, I don't know, two, three people who have come and stayed and come every week, you know. But um, anyways, I think it's kind of an interesting thing that anybody can do. Um, it doesn't take any special gifts or anything. It's just get a group of people together, you know. But, mm-hmm. um, so um, what about um, just during your years as a pastor... Um, what has impacted you? Um, any particular people, books, experiences, or anything that has um, kind of shaped you as a pastor, or you know, or as a person? Um, that becomes an interesting historical issues. Um, I I have attention deficit. Uh, sometimes they call it dyslexia. I didn't learn to read until I became an adult, and uh, which uh, and even to the I've I've learned to read and learned for lead, I've learned to read from scripture. Uh, uh, you read the scripture enough, and you get to be familiar with it, and you learn to read, and. I've, I've met several people here who have learned to read reading the scriptures. They couldn't read before. Uh, it's interesting, 20% of our population 
is dyslexic and are struggling reading. Um, so books have never been a source of comfort because it's such a struggle to read. I have lots of commentaries. And uh, uh, it's, it's not been uh, something, an area that really speaks to me. Um, uh, my real growth have come, and because of the dyslexia and because of the reading issues, I've tend to be kind of shy. And uh, one of the things that the Lord had to deal with to get me into the pulpit uh, who I am as a pastor and, and where my deep beliefs comes from is personal study of scripture um, uh, and it's, it becomes kind of a internal thing so uh, the books and, and, and then because of the personal study and uh, this is what the scripture says. I, I, I tend to, I, I fight with this a lot, being judgmental about what people are saying on the radio or something. And so it, it, it's, it's that personal time with God in scriptures um, that is where most of my growth has come from. Mm-hmm. So that answers the question. That's, that's sure. where it's at. Yeah. And how, how do you, what's that look like? How do you go about studying scripture? Well, um, because you have to prepare for a Sunday morning yeah. and Wednesday. We used to have Sunday right now. We're not doing it since COVID. But um, is, is I read the text, I, I pray and say, what is it that, that I'm supposed to give to the church or whoever it is? Tonight is Wednesday, and so I'll have kids tonight and what is it that they need to know from this scripture and and sometimes it comes can't write fast enough and there it is and other times it's a day struggle finding out what it what it is that the spirit is saying to that to scripture but he's been faithful through the years of showing me this is what the scripture is saying and what's interesting is being in the same place 40 years you've taught the same books over and over and over again and that's almost always different it's is you know those those thoughts that came the first or second time through it are there but that then doesn't become preeminent something else becomes preeminent to where that's what we're supposed to talk about for Sunday for Sunday morning or what they put the lesson with the kids yeah so okay And I've, I've, I've got to get my head in the right place, or I can't, I can't pay attention to what he's saying. So there's a little bit of time before clearing my head and getting onto what we're going to we're going to be thinking about. So that's where it's at. Yeah. Um, so um, I guess you know one question that I ask people regularly when I'm just talking with them here on the podcast is what gives them confidence in Christianity. Um, Like today with the internet, we're just exposed to all kinds of religions and ideas and secularism and, and just everything. Um, So 
you know, for me, I've had to kind of wrestle with those things and take them seriously and just consider um, what they're claiming and then what I'm claiming. And, you know, am I just um, in what I'm in because that's just what I know or, um, you know, what are the good reasons for me to, you know, be who I am and believe what I believe? Uh, for you, um, you know, is there anything in particular that um, is just the source of your confidence and, um, you know, in Christianity and what you believe? Um, because of the last answer, because of, of not having a lot of confidence in myself, uh, and then the Lord showing me things in the study and when I fill the pulpit uh, I see the fingerprints of God it is I'm saying things that I have no clue of where it comes from outside the spirit's leader whether it's teaching Sunday school or preaching in the pulpit it is it is that that the Holy Spirit leads that I know I don't have that ability I don't have that knowledge I don't have that wisdom but yet it's there um, because of the upbringing because of who I was um, there's a humbleness there that I know what I am but yet what I see God do is not a belief or a hope but it's John uses the word know over and over and over and over in his writings uh, I know and I'm that place I, uh, I, I sit on bedrock because of lack of a better way of putting it the fingerprints of God in my life it makes it an absolute I know and have confidence and again it's because of that personal study and what God has shown me in my study but also showed me in Sunday school when I teach I, my main gift is to teach I like to teach I love to teach and so I'd rather teach a Sunday school class than preach if you please and I have to fought, struggle not to teach in the pulpit two different things but to see what God says I want to go this is going to sound silly but I don't want to go write that down that's pretty good stuff but I know it doesn't come from me and so I have a great deal of confidence in scripture in the Holy Spirit in God's leadership and that gives me the confidence to know what I know and to stand on it uh, that's my bedrock if you please yeah, um, I know a lot of times we don't see the effects of whatever God might be doing through us, but um, have you seen the effects in some cases? And like, has there been any kind of just encouraging things that you've seen in the lives of other people through, you know, God working through you like this? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I could speak of a lot of examples, but the one. There's two that stick out to me. Uh, one is I hear 
often enough to feel confidence in it. This is the first time, someone will say, this is the first time I've ever grown hmm. uh, in, in my beliefs. Or uh, the other one is, somebody will come into the church and they have almost no belief system at all. But because of a friend, and it's there more on fellowship than scripture or anything else, and over a period of time, you see a change in who they are. They're no hmm. longer that person that has no faith to, after a period of time, there is great faith there. Hmm. And that's the power of the gospel it is to change people from who they were to what they are spiritually uh, there was a woman years ago who was a friend of somebody and she I hate to say this kind of stuff but she had a real liberal view of things and almost no belief that was solid at all you know sort of driven by the wind and she was with us between three to five years and uh, we had her in Sunday school and somebody said something and I don't remember what it was but she launched into a, a statement of faith that would put a whole lot of seminary professors to shame if you please and, and want to go where did that come from well it came from Holy Spirit where she was at and uh, and again, it's that personal growth under the Holy Spirit that that uh, you see that change, and that yeah. that is yeah. where the confidence comes from. That you can see what God is doing, mm -hmm. and it is what God is doing. And mm -hmm. so that's that's the kind of stuff that yeah. speaks to me. In that particular example, so she came to a place of like just faith and confidence. From you said liberal, does that mean like um, not believing the Bible is the Word of God, or is what? What do you mean by liberal? There? Well, um, not believing. You know, taking the Bible as a as a book that is a holy book, but it doesn't really speak to our lives today, and so didn't apply any of it, didn't, uh, didn't let it change what she was or who she was. And so mm -hmm. it's just sort of, you said it, not believing the truths of what God had for her. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, is there anything, if you were to, if going back, is there anything you wish you would have done or could have done differently? I no. Okay. <laughs> I did the best I could do back there, and I, there's nothing back there I want to repeat. No. Yeah. Um, any. Um, so, you know, it sounds like, you know, your um, work as a pastor, it's not like super structured and stuff like. Uh, no. But are there any routines that you have um, in your day or week, um, or is it pretty much. Every day is different. You just get up and just... Uh, pretty much every day is different. Uh, Tuesday, I have several people in nursing homes, mm -hmm. and I go see them. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, it was 
One has just passed away, so I had three in the nursing home, and now I have two. And so I make those visits on Tuesdays. Uh, Thursdays are my sermon day. Not much interferes with that. Uh, if I can put it off, uh, Thursday the day is, uh, that's my sermon day. And so, you know, that's pretty set in concrete. Everybody knows they don't call me on Thursday unless it's life and death or something. But, uh, yeah. And so, uh, and then the rest of the week is kind of flexible. Yeah. Uh, gets filled up real quick. So, um, when you visit someone in a nursing home, um, is it um, like what's uh, what's helpful to somebody if you're going to visit them in a nursing home? I, I mean, I, I imagine just seeing somebody else and just a visit is yeah. helpful. Is there anything else that's particularly helpful? Well, uh, it's it's basically a visit. Okay, I'm there to visit them, and it often becomes sometimes a counseling time where they're. Being a nursing home is a difficult place to be. Yeah. And they need to be encouraged. They need to be reminded that this is your ministry area now. Hmm. Uh, your ministry area used to be out there, and now it's here. And so uh, I've, I've seen a lot of that. Um, and encouraging them uh, not to get discouraged because living in a nursing home is not a positive place mm -hmm. uh, they're dependent on nurses and they're depending on other people to take care of them and understaffed and uncaring sometimes is is an issue of dealing with the people you deal with so it's, it's those kind of things hmm. but they're yeah. not forgotten yeah yeah I hear kind of um, kind of dark stories about nursing homes and things, um, and and but as in life, there's a lot of dark stories, and then there's a lot of good men and women who are working, who are doing really good ministries, and inside the nursing home, and we sometimes don't hear those things. You know, we we hear a lot about the the negative stuff that goes on in our lives. Mm -hmm. And we, we sometimes forget to give testimony of what God has done in our lives. And uh, it's much easier to talk about negative things and ugly things than it is to talk about the hand of God in our lives. And so uh, I see both. I, I see a lot of n negative stuff in nursing homes, but I also see some things of people caring and people touching lives and bringing joy to the some of the and you, and you have both and but that's that's the life we have we and again the news is full of the ugliness that's going on we don't often bring up years ago i i we, we were driving from uh new york down to florida to take my son back to college and i was packed in a back seat of a very hot car and listening to a very intense book and I fainted and my son pulled over Jacob pulled over and got me out of the car and three cars stopped doctor stopped two nurses stopped and a car full of women who prayed for me on the spot Wow! and 
it was just that the car was hot and I was impacted and I was engrossed on the book that I was listening to and, and I just fainted dead away. And, but yet, that don't make the news. Yeah. Uh, but somebody shooting somebody does. So that happens in nursing homes too. Yeah. Uh, I was there, was it two weeks ago? As one of them. And uh, one of the people came in and wasn't there 30 seconds, but they brought light into the room when they walked in. Hmm. And, and that's there too. So, yes. All right. Um, are the church, are churches doing pretty good at ministering in nursing homes, or is there like a big open spot that needs to be filled there? Uh, or. There are, there are not near enough ministry going on. Okay. Um, we, we don't necessarily remember Jesus called us to serve. Mm-hmm. We are all involved with our lives, and, and we don't make enough time for service. And so, no, the answer is there's not a lot of ministry going on. But there is ministry going on. Just mm-hmm. there'll never be enough. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so um, I guess just a, you know kind of a couple things before just kind of wrapping up um, do um, I don't know do you, is there just anything on your mind when it comes to like just advice for um People or young people, or um, you know, when it comes to l- living our lives and making the most of the time and so forth, don't have enough time to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is, this is not a place for a sermon, but yeah. uh, Jesus told us ahead of time uh, that many are called and few are chosen. Uh, says says that twice in the New Testament. And he says, many, are, many will stand before me, and he's going to say, I don't know you. We, in the church, think that we're going to be successful. And the truth is, we are not. We are going to win a remnant. It's going to be a small percentage. Uh, most people don't want to do what God wants them to do. They won't surrender their lives to Jesus. And we focus on the lack of success. But if we think about Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, all of those are the great prophets of Scripture. Uh, Jeremiah's people ended up in in Babylon. Isaiah's people ended up in Assyria. Uh, uh, Elijah's people... They're worshiping Baal in the midst of those ministries. Uh, But yet, what God has called us to is not to be successful, but to be faithful. He says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. There's the ministry. And the ministry is at our fingertips. It's not someplace else. Uh, It says, anybody who gives a cup of cold water in my name, that will... The reward will never be lost. We too often are looking for something supernatural 
or uh, warm, fuzzy feelings sometimes. But what God has called us to is to be faithful in service where we're at. And, and too often we look outside to see that ministry when sometimes it's in our homes. One of the things that the Lord impresses on me all the time is ministers to me, we need to be ministering to our wives. Wife need to be ministering to our husbands. Husbands and wife need to be ministering to the children, knowing that we were kids once and we never cleaned our rooms and could never find our shoes and our coats were left someplace. And to be gracious, uh, there's a lot of ugliness going on in our world today. And we have, if we could simply remember to minister one to another, a lot of that ugliness would disappear. We can't fix a society, but I can take care of my life. If I can, if I can be a minister, uh, not the preacher, but just the person who is ministering, then I'm doing what God has called me to do in the name of Jesus, of course. But uh, if, as a general statement, if, if all of us would strive to be the ministers or the people who are ministering to people, our lives would be a lot better. So go from there. Okay. Well, thanks, Jim. I think we'll wrap it up right there. And I really appreciate you being on the podcast. No problem. My privilege. Mm-hmm.